Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Come on, what's good? What's good? God is good. And all the time. Amen. 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 How much do we believe it? How much do we live it? How much do we live it? How much do we see it in our lives? Hey, just a quick word about the upcoming sermon series, Forgiveness. We all, need, we all need forgiveness. We all need to have, we must have forgiveness. And so, um, you know, I speak a lot. I talk to a lot of people. And I know, I know, I know, I know that we all need to forgive. And we all need to forgive more. And most of us, most of us have not gotten to the place of being unoffendable. And so we all need to work on forgiveness just a little bit more. Forgiveness is huge to the Lord. It's huge. It's a big deal. It's not a little thing. It's not a small thing. And so why are we doing a whole sermon series on it? Because it's, it's vital, guys. It's not, it's not optional. It's not optional. It's a must in the kingdom. We must forgive. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at some scriptures coming up. Sermon series is going to be great. You're not going to want to miss it. But in the meantime, hey, God is good. That's right. Come on. God is good. There we go. Do we believe it? Sometimes our actions and our, and our words do not line up with what we say. And that's what we've called into question here over the past couple of weeks. Do our actions and do our words line up with the fact that we say that we believe that God is good? What do we say about God? What are we saying about God? What do we think about God? And what, what do we do in response to who God is? What do we do? Or what do we not do? Because we think who God is. There are things that we do because we think God is one way. And there are things that we don't do because we think that God is a way. Whether he is that way or not. And so... What is the reality? The reality is that God is good. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it until we remember it. Our faith can only explore. Our faith can only be active to the point in which we believe that God is good. If there's an area of our life where we don't believe that God is good, we can't have faith for that area of our life. Can't, can't do it. If you don't believe that God's good there, you can't have faith there. We have to believe that God is good. Today, I want to ask the question, it's on your card, how good is God? Really, really the question becomes, it, it's really, I mean, so God is as good as he is holy. How holy is God? God is holy, holy, holy. He's, he's three times holy. He's the most holy thing in the universe. The holiness of God, we can't even compare it to anything else. It's exponentially beyond our own thinking. He's actually infinitely holy. And he's, he's as good as he is holy. What does that mean? It means that he's actually infinitely good. There is no end to the goodness of God. It's infinite. We can't begin to wrap our minds around it. But what happens is we as human beings, we live in this sin world and Sinful things happen, and then we call into question the goodness of God. Something has happened in your life at some point that has caused us to call into question the goodness of God. How good is God? How good do we believe that God is? 
Let's jump into some scripture here. Matthew 7 says this. It says, ask and it will be, Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What are we asking God for? What are you asking God for? What do you believe that God wants to give you? You know, part of the problem of the fact that we live the Christian life the way that we do is because we don't ask for the things that we should be asking for. How many times did God tell us to ask? Ask and you will receive. We're going to look at this in a moment. What are we asking for? And what aren't we asking for that we should be asking for? There's things, there's things that we should be receiving, guys that we're not receiving because we haven't asked. It's prayerlessness. It's not that we don't pray. It's just that we're not asking for the right things all the time. Because we've, in our own minds, we've called into question the goodness of God. We've called into question what God actually wants to accomplish. Continuing, it says, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Watch this. Jesus says, if you then being evil, last week our sermon series was, is man good? Jesus says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. God gives good gifts to his children. How many of us have children? How many of us have parents? How many of us have asked our parents for something? Dad, can we get ice cream? Yeah, come on, jump in the car. Let's go get ice cream. Can we have ice cream? Here's, here's a bowl full of gravel. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> if you then, being evil, are we good? Is man good? Watch last week's sermon series. It's a difficult answer. There's no, easy, there's no easy answers. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Are we asking? Are we pursuing God? Spurgeon coined the phrase, I believe it was him, the irresistible grace of God, right? And we understand that grace is irresistible. It's, a, it's an expression of his goodness. Grace of God, the grace of God is an expression of his goodness. It's an expression of who he is. And so his goodness is irresistible. His goodness is actually irresistible. If we were to understand God's goodness, we would, there is no way we could not be attracted to him. There's no way we couldn't be just drawn right into his presence. How much God loves to give good gifts. How much do we believe that God wants to give us something? That God wants to give us everything? How much are we asking for? What are we asking for? When God gives you something, watch this. When God gives you something, it's generally for the benefit of someone else. You know, God doesn't think the way that we think. His ways are not our ways. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Actually, we're not even close. We're actually on, like, different planets. You are God in heaven, and here am I on earth. 
We're on different planets. We're not close. God thinks that you live, Jesus said, you live by dying. He said, you receive by giving. He said, you get exalted by going low. His thoughts are diametrically opposed to our thoughts every single time we think. And so we have a problem to understand the goodness of God because we don't understand the way that he thinks. Wait a minute. Are you really telling me that you live by dying? Are you really telling me that I get exalted by humbling myself? Are you really telling me that I receive by giving it all away? You know, we think that the most powerful meeting that I can have is if I'm with 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. I've been with 400,000 people worshiping God. We think 400,000, million, 2 million, how many can we get together? There's going to be a power encounter. And God's like, I just want to meet with one person. I just want to meet with you. Where's the power encounter? It's when you steal away and you sneak away up on a mountainside, out in your prayer closet, you lock the door behind you, and you hide with God. Come on, we'll talk about a power encounter. Every time we think, we're diametrically opposed. And, and so this is where Jesus came and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent literally means to rethink. Rethink your life. Stop the way that you're thinking and start thinking the way that I'm thinking. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's right within our grasp. But we have to stop thinking the way that we're thinking. and We have to start thinking the way that God thinks in order to enter into his kingdom, in order to be his emissaries on this earth. See, the whole point is that we become like him and now we're on this earth and now we look like him, we act like him, we talk like him, and people are like, what's different about you? It's God. God's on the inside of me. In the story of the talent, God doesn't think the way we think, right? In the story of the talents, God takes the, the talent from the one who did nothing with it, and he gave it to the one who had the most. What if our... What if our what if our economy worked this way? <laughs> this is just, we, we just have to wrap our minds around the fact that who, who did Jesus want to give it to? He wanted to give it to the one who was doing. He wanted to give it to the one who was producing for the kingdom. He took from him who was doing nothing for the kingdom, and he gave to the one who was producing for the kingdom. I'm not saying that this actually works in the natural, but this is the way that the kingdom works. And so if we, guys, church, if we don't get in the game, if we don't, come on, right here on your engage card, sign, sign up, find a way to serve, just do something. We risk having our talent taken from us and God will give it to somebody else. It doesn't matter how busy someone is, God will give you two more things to do. Because... He knows that you can handle it because you're already doing 10. It's awesome. <laughs> what are we asking God for? And so watch, are we asking God for things for ourselves or are we asking God for things that are going to benefit others? Jesus instructed us, pray, ask, pray for your daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. He is the provider. God will provide you everything you need. 
God gives you an assignment. He's going to give you everything you need to carry out that assignment. God gives you a task. He gives you everything you need to carry out that task every single time. It's his will. He, he put me here. He told me to do it. God, you, you better give me something because I can't do this. Every good and perfect gift is from, a, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is good. He's good all the time. He doesn't stop being good because bad things happen. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good yesterday. He's good today. He's good tomorrow. The world could vaporize, and he's still good. We could all be gone tomorrow. A new plague could come in and wipe us all out. He's still good. He's still good. His goodness never ends. I don't understand. That's okay. It's called faith. It's not called a walk of understanding. It's called a walk of faith. We embrace those things that we cannot understand. We have to believe that God is good by faith alone. And when we don't understand why bad things happen, we just set them aside and say, God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're good. I know that you're good. I know that you're good. I know. I don't know why this happened. I don't know how that happened. I don't have that much understanding. I don't have that much wisdom. I can't plug it all together and see how it all works, but I know you're good. I know you're good. We do it by faith sometimes. How much do we exercise our faith? We talked about the fact that we can only exercise our faith to the degree that we believe that God is good. How much do we exercise our faith in the belief that God is good? Somebody asked me one time, we were getting together, and somebody asked me one time, we were having a little meeting, and somebody asked me, what's your God-sized dream? And I'm like, to see Troy saved. And, and immediately they started backing up, and they're like, whoa, whoa, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You did say God-sized, right? I don't know how big your God is or small your God is, but I know the God that I serve is a great big God. <laughs> He's a great big God. My, my God-sized dream right now is to see Troy saved. It's 55,000 people. Where are you going to put them? I, there's a lot of churches in downtown Troy that are closed. We can open them all. There's 100 people in this room. You can all be pastors, and you guys can all go pastor them. I don't have to have a big church. The numbers mean nothing to me. Numbers mean nothing to Jesus. When a big crowd showed up, he sent them away. He told them the hardest thing there was to hear, and many left. Jesus. <laughs> I don't care how many people come here. I want to see a city saved. God can do it. He's done it before. He'll do it again. God is no respecter of persons. Finney did it. I'm not Finney. That's okay. Finney had an intercessor. A couple of them. What was his name? Nash, Samuel Nash, go into cities months, months, guys, months before Finney. We've been praying for years. Troy is, Troy is it's just ticking down. It's just coming. We are well able at once to go up and take the land. Troy is just, it's, a, it's just a matter of time, really. <laughs> All we have to do is keep our eye on the prize and not lose focus, and it'll happen. 
It's impossible. I know, I know God who does the impossible. I've, got, I've figured out this secret. I figured out, guys, a way that God will always be with you. How many of you want God to always be with you? Always. Oh, boy. All throughout Scripture, we read and we see periods of times and examples where God comes and he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. He said it to Mary. He said it to um, the disciples. He said it to all of these people. We could read it. It's in the, it's in the Bible a hundred times. But you know the beautiful thing is that God wants to be with you. You know, what? you know what God did to all of those people right before he said, I will be with you? The disciples, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what he did right before he said, I'll be with you? He gave them an impossible task that they could not complete on their own. And so how do we get God to be, where were those hands? How do we get God to be with us always? Let's just sign up for an impossible task. If it's impossible, well, I mean, you can't just create things on your own. It can't be just, just your own thing. This, this idea of seeing Troy saved, it's not my idea. It's God's idea. He dropped it in my heart. He gave it to me. It's my assignment. It's impossible. He'll always be with me. I just know this because the scriptures prove it out. Anybody else want God to always be with them? Okay, just get on. You can jump on my dream. I'll share. Troy saved. All of Troy saved. The city of Troy saved. 55,000 people all going to church on a Sunday morning. Love it. You know, God starts out, he'll, a lot of times he'll start out with, and he'll start us out in something smaller. He did with me. Maybe he'll do that with you. When we ran our business, there was a cult across the street. And so we just started to pray. And, you know, I'm praying, God, how might you close this? God, how are you going to get rid of this? God, take it down. God, take them out. Take it. Get rid of this thing. This thing's evil. It's of the devil. Take it out. And so how is God going to do it? And so we have to be careful. Watch, guys. We have to be careful that when we pray that we don't begin to limit God and that he has to answer, that we demand that he answer the way that we think that he should answer. God, take out that cult. Blow up that building. The building didn't blow up. God didn't answer my prayer. Well, who's to say that that's your ways? Your thoughts aren't good, guys. We already realized that we don't think the way that God thinks. And so rather than put God under an expectation that we know how it has to end, we'll just say, God, end it. God, end it. God, end it. They could have just up and moved to another location. You know what would have happened? I would have stopped praying so fervently because I didn't see them. But God didn't do that. He kept them there. God is not impatient. God is not, uh, what does what uh, 2 Peter say? God is not slack concerning salvation. He is not slow in fulfilling his promises. He just is patient. God, what do you do? I don't understand. I don't know why it took so long. But you know what happened? It was the best possible outcome. The leader of the thing was arrested and went to prison. He's in prison now. It couldn't have ended any better. The building is now across the streets for sale. Anybody wants to buy it? It won't blow off. 
At least I don't think so. Not on my, not, not, not on my prayer. God has a plan. And he needs you to start asking. See, because he doesn't, he could do it all on his own. He could. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He could do it all by himself. But he's chosen to limit himself, and he sent us instead. He's joined with us, and he said, hey, you come with me, and we'll do this together. It's a co-mission. Co-together. There's a mission that we're going to do together. And he won't do it without you, and we can't do it without him. It's impossible to the point where I can't do it without God, and God's chosen that he won't do it without us. So if we don't partner with him, it doesn't get done. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a man or a woman that he can show himself strong through. God is always looking. He's looking right now. He's looking for a man or a woman who will set themselves, even as Ezekiel did, set themselves as a wall, set themselves in prayer to pray, to bring about God's kingdom in the earth. And all we have to do is sign up. Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. And then we just stay on task. We stay on task. We stay on task. Janice painted us a wonderful painting. She gave it to us uh, for pastor's appreciation. It's a picture of the city of Troy. And so now, while I'm at home, I look at that picture, and I, it's the city of Troy. And I know I, I can just start praying for the city of Troy. I'm reminded every time I look out my window that faces east, at home, I'm reminded to pray for the city of Troy. And so we just start, we, we just start, we aimed our prayer cannings and we will not relent. God save the city of Troy. God save the city of Troy. God save the city of Troy. How long is it going to take? I have no idea. I choose not to limit God. I choose not to hedge in God by determining how and when and why my prayer should be answered. You know, sometimes... The reason why that we don't believe that God is good is because he didn't answer prayers the way that we thought that he should answer prayers. God, I want so and so, I want such and such. No. <laughs> God, I want to I want to uh, I want to marry so and so. No. <laughs> God, I want to do such and such a ministry. No, I'm being, God's not like that. He will tell us no, and we have to be ready for that. He won't say it like that. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to drive a point home. God, give me a ministry. God, give me a home. God, give me a car. God, help me to get to work. God, give me a job. God, give me a better job. God, give me a job where I'm, I'm able to preach your gospel. God, give me a job. See, suddenly our thinking turns around, and now we start asking for the right thing. Look at this. Look at how many times in, in, John, in, the, in the book of John, chapters 14 through 16, four times. Ask whatever you will in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it, Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse 7. You will ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. Verse 16. 
Whatever you, ask in the fa- whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. What are we asking for? What are we asking for? What are we asking God to do? Is what we're asking God to do revolving solely around us and our life and our circumstance? Is it all about me? Give me a car. Give me a house. Give me a... Bless me, bless me, bless me. God will bless you. But Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. And he's talking about the stuff of the world that we need. Because in the preceding verses, he says, you know, the the people of this world, they run after all of these things, clothes and houses and stuff. You seek first my kingdom, and you'll have everything you need regarding this world. Guys, it's been my scripture for as long as I've been saved. Going on 30 years. 28 years this year, I believe. 29 years this year. It's been my scripture as long as I've been saved. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I have, and he's given me everything I need. I've never lacked. We've never lacked. Never lacked. Why? Because God provides. Because God fulfills his word. Because God's word is true. What are we asking for? I want to encourage you guys today to start to dream big dreams. To start to dream God-sized dreams. Maybe you're going to jump on my dream. And that's fine. Come on, we, I, need, I need help. I need a lot of help. I need God's help, and that means I need all your help. Let's save Troy. What's your dream? Dream some other dream. Dream some dream that's going to help us to achieve the dream. When 100 dreams come together working for one plan and one purpose to save a city, it's going to happen. Start asking God for something bigger, something greater. God's a great big God. He's a great big God. And he loves to do miraculous things. But we have to get ourselves into some impossible situations before we can see the miraculous. It's not miraculous until it's impossible. This is just the truth, guys. If there is a natural means, if I had, if, if my dream was to have a church of a thousand, God doesn't have to visit me in order for that to happen. If, if my dream is to have a church of a thousand, I could easily go to seminars and, and learn church, church growth and learn this and learn that, and I could easily build a church. I don't, I don't know, maybe I couldn't easily do it, but if I were to arrive there after doing all of that, God didn't have to show up to do that. But to save a city? Guys, I have no idea. How is this going to happen? I have no idea. How were the Israelites going to go in and kill the giants? In the promised land, how, were, how did Caleb and Joshua think they were going to achieve this? Who do they think that they were? The same person that David thought that he was when he stepped out on the field against Goliath. Somebody three times his side and held, held a sword that David could barely pick up. How in the world is David going to win? God. How in the world are, the, are Caleb and Joshua going to go in and take out these giants in the promised land? God. 
How in the world are we going to see a city saved? God, it's the same answer. It's the same answer. God is the answer. It's him. It's always been him. We just need to get with him. We need to believe that he is good. Does God want the city of Troy saved? Absolutely. My, my word says he does. It says that God desires that no one perish, that everyone go to heaven. Is it God's desire for a whole city to be saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is my, is my dream, is my, is my dream, is, is the assignment that God's given me, is it on par with his will? Absolutely. There's no question. Now it's going to happen. We just have to keep our prayer cannons focused and, and, stay, and stay steady. It's going to happen. We are well able at once to go up and take the land. And it has nothing to do with any ability that I have. It doesn't matter how good of a preacher I am or I'm not. God can still save the city in spite of me. We have to put forth the work. We have to put forth the effort. It's not to say that I, I don't go home and read and study and, and do the best that I can to be the best that I can in every single thing that I do. I do because God is a God of excellence. But God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, the things that are nothing to nullify the things that are. He always does this because it reveals more of his glory. Psalm 34, verse 8. We're going to end with the scripture today. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God's good. Taste is an element of perception. Taste is something that happens. Taste is something that changes in us. And then we see, we perceive differently. We taste and we have this revelation, and then we see. And we see differently. Too often, we try God. Right? The scripture doesn't say try God. It says taste and see. Tasting is different than trying. When we taste of the goodness of God, when we truly taste of who God is, we'll be changed. Amen. Oh, taste and see that religion is good. That's not what the word says. That's not what it says at all. Actually, religion is actually a problem for us. Religion is form without power. Religion is routine without reward. It's rules without relationship. And religion will leave you empty every single time. This is about a relationship. This is about a God who loves us. This is about going deeper. This is about finding out who God is. When the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good, what he's saying is, go get in your prayer closet. Go get in some quiet time with God. Find out who God really is, and you will then understand. You will have the seeing perception to understand that he is good. Go and get a hold of God. 
Go and be like Jacob and wrestle him. Don't let him go until he blesses you. And you will see that God is good. That God is good. That God is good. God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. There has never been a day that he's not been good, and there will never be a day where he's not going to be good. He is, has always been, and always will be good, good, good. We sing holy, 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 good, good, good. We sing that song, you're a good, good father. They left one out. You're a good, 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 good father. It comes back to him. It comes back to knowing him. Because it's in his presence that we're changed. It's in his presence that we gain strength. It's in his presence that we start to rethink and we begin to think the way that he thinks. It's in his presence. It's only when we're with Jesus, when we've been touched by Jesus, when we've drawn away with Jesus, it's only in that secret place that we're actually changed and we can actually believe, sometimes by faith alone, that God is good. Sometimes we just believe it by faith. Sometimes we're not going to fully understand. The more I come to understand, the less I understand. The more answers that I get, the more questions that I have. This is the deceiving road of theological study. <laughs> The more that we understand, the more questions that we have. It's fantastic. It only, see, it only verifies to continue to build our faith because it's a walk of faith, not a walk of understanding. We need him. We so need Jesus every time in every way and every day. Let's just pray. God, we thank you that you are good. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, I ask today, God, I know that your spirit is here. I pray right now that your healing power will come and bring healing where we need healing, God. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. God, mental healing. God, heal our minds. And God, help us to know that you are good. Help us to know, even if we have to believe it by faith. God, help us to know that you are good. God, that in the core of our being, our declaration would be, God is good. And that, God, we would truly believe it. That, God, that we would truly feel it and see it and live it. And that our actions, God, that our actions would back up what we say. God, no longer let us be a people that say one thing but do another. God, help us to dream those God-sized dreams. God, to do uh, great things and mighty exploits for our God because of you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Steve, come and receive the offering this morning.